After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's amazing. such a simple prayer there, not many words, but as we're going through it, we're seeing all that has to take place before the kingdom comes to the earth. Amen, and uh, it will be here soon. Amen. Turn and greet a few people before you're seated today. Right, we've been following the kingdom of heaven through the Bible, and we are getting closer to it being physically manifested on this earth once again. And if things weren't already uh, long and complex and drawn out, we started diving into the book of Revelation last week to talk about the things that has to happen here on the earth before uh, we are shown and told that the kingdom of heaven does come. Um, and so... Uh, I got some pictures this week, maybe to help uh, explain a little things a little bit better. I'm I'm a I'm a picture guy. I, I learn a lot from pictures as well. So, uh, if you put up picture number one, <coughs> uh, this is kind of a brief overview of these what we're talking about here: the seven years, the final seven years. Uh, you got the rapture of the church, um, which initiates and begins the final seven years of the tribulation. Um, and, um, and then we, we, last week we talked about the seven seals that unloose, uh, unleash this, the scroll, the seal judgments, and um, tonight we'll be moving into the next part is the, uh, the trumpet judgments, and right there in the middle um, is where the Antichrist uh, sits on the, uh, the t in the temple and declares himself to be God right in the middle of the tribulation, and so... Uh, this is kind of a, a brief timeline of how things kind of appear to look to work out. Uh, again, I don't know everything uh, down to a T and, and, and how it all plays out. There's all kinds of different views and uh, assumptions about the, some of these things. And so um, just trying to do uh, go with the best of our ability and what kind of understand to, be, to make sense. Uh, and so that's where... Uh, kind of like a roadmap of, of where we are and where we're going. And once the church is taken out, the restrainer is taken out, the Antichrist will begin his uh, final rise to power. And last week we saw many similarities with the first horse of the apocalypse, the, the white horse, the Antichrist. As the white horse that goes forth conquers the earth, and he's coming on that white horse, similar to how Jesus is coming back, the, 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 the real Christ, uh, and so the Antichrist is mimicking uh, uh, Jesus coming on a white horse, um, but we know that he is the Antichrist, and so he tries and he does uh, uh, trick the, the nation of Israel. Um, Jesus, they, they were blinded to Jesus, but yet they're, they're wide open to the Antichrist, and, and such a shame, but that's... That's the way it plays out. I mean, it's not our it's not our game. That we just have the game book and we can see the future through the through the Word of God, and that's that's what we're told uh, happens. Uh, and so, uh, if you pull on picture number two, uh, brief recap of last week: the second horse was the red horse. He had a sword, and he went forth, and he took peace from the earth that the Antichrist 
established, which helped him become who he was. He took peace from the earth, and people started killing each other. The third seal unleashed the third horse, which was the economic collapse, hyperinflation, uh, the price of goods going up by ten times. Um, and then uh, that unleashes the fourth seal, the fourth horse, which is death, uh, death by famine and hunger and wild beasts. And this is a worldwide uh, phenomenon, a worldwide famine and death. If it's a massive war that takes place with the second horse, uh, a massive uh, worldwide famine happens. And we are told here, very early in this, the tribulation period, 25% of the world's population is wiped out. Uh, Two billion people die uh, through uh, the, the death and famine and um, all of the, the hunger and all those things that happened in the third seal. And moving on, we talked about the fifth seal where believers are martyred for their faith and they're killed and they're under the altar as they're crying out for God to revenge them. Uh, we talked about the sixth seal where they got these this cosmic disturbances, if you will. The, there's a great earthquake. Uh, the sun becomes black. Moon is turned as blood. Stars are falling. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And then, then we saw the kings of the earth, rich people, and basically everybody that were hiding themselves in the caves. And they were begging that the rocks would fall on them to hide them from the one who sits on the throne, to hide them from God and the Lamb, the wrath of the Lamb. And, and so chapter 6 ended with a question, who shall be able to stand uh, among all of these things that have already happened and the things that are coming to happen? And before we got to the seventh seal, we had to answer that question, who shall be able to stand? And it is there where we see that the earth, before the earth is shaken, that 144,000 Jews are sealed uh, by God, 12,000 from every tribe, to protect them from what is to come. Revelation 8, we, we dove into, brings us to the seventh seal, which is 30 minutes of silence in heaven, about a half hour. Uh, silence that was given for the space of grace, silence that was given for people to possibly repent of their sins and to get themselves right with God uh, after some judgment has already been poured out, but more is to come. And silence because what is to come uh, is worse than what has already happened and taken place. The seventh trumpet judgments that are coming are worse than what, is, uh, what has happened in the first six. And so picture number three this is also kind of a timeline of the, uh, the seals. So we've, we've talked about one, two, three, four, five, six. And before the seventh seal, we saw that the sealing of the 144,000 Jews. And I don't know if you can see it, but uh, number seven, once the number seven is initiated, that also un, un opens up the next phase. Uh, and so you, uh, the seventh seal opens up the first trumpet on the next phase. And then you see there's always a space between the number six and seven in every level. Uh, and the seventh trumpet will open up the seventh, the first bowl. And so that is the progression as these things are unfolding in the tribulation period. And we covered the seven seals last week. And so we're going to dive into the next level of events that have to happen before the kingdom of heaven comes to the earth. 
Um, and so uh, Revelation 8, and, w and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of a half hour. And I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Uh, so seven angels have seven trumpets. They're ready to go. Verse 6, and when the seven angels which had the seven trumpets, they prepared themselves to sound because they were standing there ready to go. When it was their turn, they go up and they blow the trumpet and things happen because of uh, the sounding of their trumpet. Um, and so, uh, and again, a disclaimer that uh, this is all, I don't want to say it's speculation, but it's just, you know, trying to figure this stuff out as best we can. Uh, many different viewpoints, and uh, this kind of makes the most sense to me, uh, but it, it, it may not be the God, the, what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't want to be down here to, to, to try to write a diary of was I right or not. I want to be in heaven watching it and say, hey, it doesn't matter because I'm up here, right? So verse 7, the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. So again, we're seeing a, a, an escalation from what happened in the, sixth, the, the seals. Now, all of a sudden, a third of the trees are wiped out of the earth, and all the grass is, is, bur is burnt up. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what this is. Uh, whatever it is, a third of the trees and the grass are burnt up. Could be, uh, could be nuclear bombs going off. That goes off. That'll wipe. That'll wipe away a lot of trees real quick. Or it it, uh, it just melts and vaporizes things and all the vegetation around it. Um, did you know that when the atomic bombs were dropped in in Japan during World War II, that the explosion, the people that were nearest to the to the explosion, they were just vaporized. They, pff, they're just gone. Um, and there's no trace of them. Some people, the only thing that was found of them was their shadows on the wall. That was all that was found. Just the intense heat and explosion from, the, from a blast. Their shadow was just thrown on the wall, and they couldn't find anything of anybody. Just gone. Uh, and so uh, as, as powerful as that is, those atomic bombs are like firecrackers compared to the bombs that we have today. And so everyone flexes their muscles, every country about, you know, we have all these nuclear bombs. We have more nuclear weapons in this world to bl probably blow up our solar system. And we th everyone thinks we don't have enough. And really, uh, one goes off, and it's probably going to decimate most of this world, uh, at least cause a lot of uh, fallout and effects of it. Uh, so... Uh, we see this first trumpet sounding, and all of a sudden, a third of the trees are just poof, gone, wiped out. The green vegetation is gone. It could be nuclear warheads. It could be. It could be just what the Bible says: hail and fire and blood coming to the earth. That could be it. I don't know, but whatever. However, this happens, a third of the trees are wiped out, and the grass is all burnt up. It, it, it could be anything. I mean, God knows what it is. It's not, the, the, perp, the point of it is not to figure out what exactly it is. You need to look at the effect, okay, what's happening because of that. People can go down rabbit holes and try to figure out exactly what this exactly means. Well, to me, the important thing is, is that I don't want to be here for that. 
I don't want to be, that's what the purpose of the Word of God is. We don't want to be here for that. And so, God, do whatever you have to do to, to save us, to, to keep us, to pull us out of here from the judgment that is to come. And, and how that happens is you got to be born again. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, so that you can be caught up to be with him in the air and escape the, the wrath that is to come because we don't want any part of this. Really, if you look in, the, in, in anybody, Anybody who reads this, and, and, and at least you don't have to understand it all, but you just you kind of get the picture of what's happening here. And hopefully you say, God, whatever I need to do to escape that, lead me to that and lead me to the truth that get me out. And that's, that's really the purpose of all of this uh, is to uh, lead us to Christ. And so the first, day, the first trumpet sounded and that happened. And uh, verse 8, uh, the second angel sounded as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. So a great mountain of fire is thrown into the sea. This, to me, kind of sounds like a massive meteor or asteroid or comet just coming to the earth, crashing into the sea. Uh, It could be an asteroid. It could not be. I don't know. But whatever it is, it has devastating effects on the earth. Uh, One-third of the sea becomes blood. Uh, and just starts wiping things out. You imagine a, a massive meteor would have a huge impact on whatever it hits. Verse 9, And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. And so a third of the sea life is wiped out. A third of the boats are destroyed. And, and if you imagine a, an asteroid striking the ocean, and what would it do? It would probably create a massive tidal wave. Uh, well, it would, it would kill anything in, within a, whatever proximity of the landing zone. But then it would send a massive uh, tidal wave that would probably circle the globe, probably would wipe out any kind of boats that were in its path. And so, again, I don't plan on being here for that. Even if God blesses me with a yacht, uh, that's okay. You can take my yacht. Uh, I don't want to be here for that, to try to ride out that storm. And so you're, you're starting to see... That even though the first seal judgments were bad about the horsemen and, and all the death that happened, we're, we're, we're starting to reach a different level here where things are really taking up. These two trumpet judgments are wiping 33% of everything, a third of everything it touches. A trumpet blows, a third of something is going. Uh, and so this is really starting to heat up. Uh, and, and verse 10, the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven burning as as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third of the part of the rivers, upon the fountains of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third of the part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were bitter. And so the third trumpet is a third of the fresh water supply, the fresh waters, the drinking water. Uh, I would imagine if if the second trumpet, if it's an asteroid, it's probably going to land in the salt water. Uh, and wipe a third of that out. And so here the third trumpet uh, wipes out the uh, rivers, streams, drinking water because uh, we don't drink salt water. And, but many men died because they drank the water. And so obviously it was, it was uh, fresh water, fresh water supplies. They were made bitter, uh, obviously became poisonous and toxic, and many people died because of that. And so... Uh, it doesn't say how many, but uh, 
a third of the fresh water being poisoned or, or toxic, that's going to have a huge impact on this world. Uh, and so, uh, verse 12, the fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, the third part of the stars, so it was as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And so here it can be different interpretations as well. Some say that the sun, moon, and stars, they're all kind of dialed down, a dimmer switch, uh, dialed down by a third. They're not shining as bright. That may be it. I don't know. Uh, some say that the day is shortened by a third instead of 24 hours. Boom, all of a sudden now you got 16 hours, and a day and night is, is shortened by a third. Uh, some say that the earth is filled with so much smoke and devastation from the previous two trump three trumpets uh, that it's just the, the clouds and, 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 and soot or whatever is, is, fills the sky and that it blocks a third of the light from actually coming in and that everything is fine, but yet the earth is just a bubble filled with turmoil that's blocking the light coming in. Uh, again, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but whatever it is, a third of the sun, moon, and stars are, are, are affected by these things. could be any one of the things happening, and all we know that things are dimmed down. Uh, four trumpets have sounded, and there is devastation far beyond any movie can produce. I mean, if things are just going, third, the thirds are, are just being taken out. Uh, and so, like I said, uh, the trumpets are a different level of, of God's wrath than, than, than the seals were. Uh, God is heating things up. Why? Because he wants people to come to repentance. He wants, he wants Israel uh, to, re to repent and turn to him. And, and, and so uh, all of these things, as we're told in Daniel 7, or uh, Daniel 9, the 70th week, is the purpose to fulfill uh, the transgressions and to bring a, an end to sin and all these things. And so this, this has to happen. And, and so uh, verse 13, And I, I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 woe to the inhabitants of the earth. By, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. And so this angel is sounding a, a, a clarion call, a warning call. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. If, if you thought things were bad, already these four trumpets that have blasted and, and the, the, the earth is getting eviscerated. If you thought that was bad, woe, because there are three more yet to come. And so he says woe three times because there's a woe for each trumpet. We finished four, so you got five, six, seven. Uh, three woes for three trumpets that are remaining yet to sound. And uh, Revelation 9 1, the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, where have we heard the bottomless pit before? We, we, we know the bottomless pit. Uh, that is referenced in Revelation 20 where we were familiar with this passage. I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And he bound him a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, 
shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. And so that's our, that's our familiarity with the bottomless pit because we know that Satan is going to be cast into the bottomless pit. Uh, and this goes to show you that God and Satan are not equal at all. People think that Satan is the opposite of God. If you're opposite, you have to have an equal opposite force. And, and there's no way Satan does not have an equal opposite power to God. How do we know? Because uh, God just sends an angel to go and grab a hold of that serpent, that Satan, and that angel throws him into, into, into the bottomless pit. God doesn't even have to get off his throne. He has an angel go do it. That shows you how powerful and how great our God is. And so we don't have to fear the devil. We don't have to fear Satan because he has no power over our God. He can't even defeat this, this, this angel that comes and grabs a hold of him. And God has uh, two-thirds of the angels and Satan has a third of the angel. And so who knows how many angels. I would I hope to think that all angels can just grab a hold of Satan and grab and throw him down. I don't know. Uh, but it doesn't matter. We just know there's at least one of them that just can go grab him like a little lizard, grab his tail and just throw him in a box. That's Satan. And and, and we, we our imaginations run wild and we think he's he's some huge monstrous thing and he's really just a little serpent that an angel grabs a hold and tosses him in a in a in a bucket of water. And he tries to swim for a thousand years, the bottomless pit. And, you know, we, we again, we, t we try to tend to, to believe in whatever it's Hollywood or imaginations, but the devil is just some evil-looking creature, and he's got horns and all, and a, and a, a, a spike tail and all these things. Uh, the Bible doesn't describe him like that. The Bible describes him as an angel. Uh, he can appear as an angel of light, disguise himself as an angel of light. Because if he showed up with the red face and horns, who's going to listen to him? But if he shows up as an angel of light, a beautiful creature, uh, uh, that's how he entices people with, with the beauty and, 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 uh, and his uh, words that he, he twists and things. And so he's a very cunning creature, and he, uh, but we understand that he is not very powerful. The only power that the devil has is what we give him, what we allow him to have, the rule in our life. And God has given us power over all the enemy. And so he shouldn't be ruling in our life. He shouldn't be messing with it because we can plead the blood of Jesus Christ against him. If we submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee. Why is he going to flee? Because he has no power against God. He doesn't want to be around God. Uh, and God can just send an angel to go wrap him up. And so... You know, it's that is uh, that's the truth right there. Uh, don't let our imaginations run wild. He's a, a serpent that gets thrown into a bucket for a thousand years, and so that's the bottomless pit that we understand. And uh, uh, I would imagine, from what it sounds like, there's no bottom at it, and so maybe it's just a constant free fall. You're always just falling, falling, and you can't you can't stop and grab a hold of anything. You're just falling, a bottomless pit. Uh, and so he's there in this pit. He's in. The, he gets thrown in this pit, and he can't get out until obviously he's let out. But um, going back to uh, the fifth trumpet, Revelation nine and one, the fifth angel sounded, and a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So there's this the key to this pit. 
Satan's not thrown in this yet because that happens in verse chapter 20. Uh, and so what is going on here? Uh, the key to the prison. Uh, verse 2, and he opened up the bottomless pit. There arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were uh, darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And so I, I like to think that there is so much evil in this pit. Because that's where Satan and all the devils and demons are cast into. That there's so much evil in this pit uh, that when it is opened, the darkness seeps out of it. The, the type of darkness that you can feel that's just so thick and, and, and evil. And, and I mean, think about it. This, this evil exists now, but God has them locked up in prison down there in the bottomless pit. And they are going to be released during the tribulation period. And you most certainly won't want to be here for this part, that's for sure. If, if the other parts weren't, weren't too scary for you, you don't want to be here for this part. Uh, verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And you got to understand that uh, John wrote this 2,000 years ago, and if you and I saw the same things that John saw, we might describe it a little bit differently. There's a lot of simpler time back then. If, if uh, John uh, saw somebody on a cell phone, he wouldn't say, yeah, somebody's talking on a cell phone. He'd, be, he'd say, they're holding some kind of box, square thing. I mean, he, he doesn't understand the vocabulary. We're, we're reading vo John's vocabulary from 2,000 years ago. And so he describes them as locusts, and that's the best that he can see. It doesn't, it's some creatures coming out, and so to him it looks like a locust. It doesn't necessarily mean it is an actual locust, because once you go on to description of, of what he says about it, it doesn't seem to be like a regular locust. And so he's just trying to use his words to describe what he can see. Uh, and, and so uh, given power as the scorpions of the earth, uh, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither the green thing, neither the tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So out of the bottomless pit of evil uh, is coming some kind of locust-looking-like creature that is uh, released. These demonic creatures are released and told that everything is fair game except green vegetation and People that are sealed uh, by God. And from what we learned last week, we are told that 144,000 Jews are sealed. We're not told of any more, so I don't know if there are more people that are sealed in this time. I don't know. All I know is 144,000 are said to be sealed. Maybe more got sealed. I don't know. Uh, but it just says that these creatures cannot touch whoever is sealed by God. Um, and if it is only the 144,000 that are sealed, um, that's bad news for a lot of people because those were Jews. And that means everyone else is a Gentile. And if only 144,000 Jews are sealed, that means uh, everyone else is fair game to, to these creatures that come out of the bottomless pit. And everyone becomes a target now. And so what do these, the, these demonic creatures do? Verse 5, and to them it was given that they should not kill the people, but they, they should torment, they should be tormented for five months. 
And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Now, every person alive, except those are sealed, are attacked and tormented by these, these demonic creatures. It is likened unto them being stung by scorpions for five long dark months. I've never been stung by a scorpion, and I don't ever plan on it. So I don't know what that feels like, and bees and wasp stings are bad enough. Uh, but for five long dark months of all, all of humanity is being constantly tormented with some type of scorpion sting from these locust-looking creatures from the bottomless pit. Uh, uh, They're being tormented so much so that verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee them. It's going to be so awful, so awful that... People will be trying to kill themselves. People will be trying to kill themselves, but they will not be able to. That's going to be weird. Somehow God removes death for these five months, and people are being tormented by these creatures from the bottomless pit. I don't even want to be near the bottomless pit or even look over and see what's down there. But... The fifth trumpet opens this bottomless pit where the Satan's going to dwell, and these things just start coming out of this pit. I don't want to be around for that. And you can understand why the angel went around crying, woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth because things are getting ready to happen that are not going to be good. And so John does his best to describe these, these creatures Verse 7, the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared for battle. Their heads were like the crowns of gold. Their faces were like faces of men. They had hair as hair of women. Their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Again, this is, this is 2,000 years ago language. If we saw what he saw, we might, we might be able to describe it better uh, in our terminology and have a clearer picture of what it looks like. But this is what he thinks and uh, what he sees. And they had breastplates, were breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings was at the sound of chariots of many horses running into battle. They had tails like of scorpions, and they were stinging their tails, and their power was to hurt men for five months. I, I, you know, you get stung by a wasp or bee, and, man, it's, you know, agony for an hour or, or a few hours. But can you imagine constantly, all day long, for five months? You wonder why people try to kill themselves, but they can't. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know uh, uh, Irving Baxter in his program, he says that these locusts are military cop helicopters, um, it, it, you know, with the iron breastplates and all this stuff. It, you know, you could make it fit. But um, the, the, re the main reason why I think that is incorrect is because where they came from. They came from a bottomless pit. And the only bottomless pit that I know of that the Bible talks about is the bottomless pit that Satan is thrown into. And so as far as I know, uh, America doesn't have uh, helicopters waiting in the bottomless pit, waiting to be released. Uh, and so I have to take the, the bottomless pit as, as what I know it as, as that place. Uh, and so um, in verse 11, and these they, these demonic locust creatures had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. 
whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and the Greek tongue is his name Apollyon. And so uh, here it goes. Another reason why I don't think it's uh, helicopters is because the leader of these locust creatures is an actual demonic angel from the bottomless pit. And so if this demonic angel is leading these things, out, these creatures out to the earth, I would have to think that these creatures are also demons or some kind of demonic creature if this angel from the pit is going to lead them. Uh, if a demon from the bottomless pit is leading them, then I don't think they're helicopters because a demon's not going to waste his time with a helicopter. A demon can fly a lot faster than a helicopter, and they can attack and oppress and possess humans. They don't need helicopters to do that. And so those demons who have been locked up for who knows how long, once they are released, they're going to wreak havoc on this world. Everyone that is not sealed by God. In verse 12, one woe is past. Fifth trumpet is over. And there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And so, got to take Euphrates as a literal place because that's always describes the river Euphrates. And so, um, where is Euphrates? Euphrates River runs through Iraq, Syria, and Turkey. And I'm just going to throw a limb out there since that's, since that's three and there's four angels that are awakened uh, at this trumpet. Uh, I'm just going to say the fourth might be from Iran because that's right there. Uh, and so these angels that are activated, whether they're actual angels or they're kings, uh, spoken of as angels, uh, we don't know, it doesn't matter, I, I don't want to be here for this. But these angels are activated in Iraq, Syria, Turkey, and Iran. And what, what could this be? What's going on here? I mean, you see what's going on in those countries right now. Just wait until God releases them to do whatever they want to do. I mean, obviously things are being, it's crazy, bombs and missiles are being launched uh, and there's turmoil over there, um, and but it's all controlled, at least from God's aspect, because here, the sixth trumpet, these these kings or these angels are actually released to able to do whatever they want to do. And so if we think this is bad, this ain't going to be anything compared to whatever, whatever is ha- going to happen in this world. And verse 15, the four angels were loosed which prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay the third part of man. And we remember the fourth seal, that 25% of the world's population was wiped out through war, hunger, and famine. So 8 billion people was, was chopped down to 6 billion after the fourth seal, and that was that was a while ago. Now we're here, this next level. And so now, so there's six billion people left. And now here in the sixth trumpet, it says one-third of mankind is going to be wiped out. One-third of six billion is two more billion people wiped out here. And so in a matter of about three years or so, whatever this time period plays out, The world goes from 8 billion people down to 4 billion people. 
Half of humanity is wiped out, and we're not even finished yet. You can see why the angel said, whoa, 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 because things are really stepping up. Verse 16, the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard the number of them. So that comes out to be 200 million man army, 200,000,000. And 200 million man army could probably kill 2 billion people pretty easily, I'd guess. Uh, Nowadays, you just hit a couple buttons and you could wipe out 2 billion people with the nuclear warheads that we have. Uh, And so... Uh, as as horrible as it is, uh, two billion people being wiped out nowadays, that's not a hard thing to do, as bad as that sounds. Launching a few missiles, a couple countries go, start warring with each other, and pe- a lot of people are going to die really quick. I mean, they, World War II was, you know, 80 years ago, and I, I think the casualty rate is, is, what, 50, 100 million? I don't know. So a lot of people died back then. And they don't have near the firepower that we have now. And so 2 billion people can easily be wiped out with just our technology. And that's if, that's if God wants to use our weapons. God doesn't need to use our nuclear warheads. God can just send an angel and he can cut down 2 billion people if he wants. Uh, and so if God, if God ends up using our technology uh, to, to wipe out or to fulfill these things, that's fine. But God doesn't. He's not waiting for us to build the, the, the perfect bomb. God can just rain down fire and brimstone like he did Sodom and Gomorrah, and he can, he can wipe out people. He doesn't need our help. Uh, and so whatever, however God, however this plays out uh, is God knows. And uh, verse 17, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, them that sat on them having breastplates of fire, of jacinth, a brimstone and the heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three, fire, smoke, and brimstone was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. And so it kind of sounds like missiles and rockets being fired, nuclear warheads being fired, uh, but I don't know. It, I don't know what it is, but that's not... The, the big point. The big point is a third of mankind is wiped out here. Uh, <clears throat> again, we don't want to be around for this. Your friends and family don't want to be around for this either. They may not realize it or understand it, but by the grace of God, hopefully they, they, they are drawn and respond to the call of God in their lives and they can uh, escape these things that are to come. Verse 19 their powers in their mouth and their tails, and their tails like unto serpents and had heads with them that do hurt. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, and they should not worship devils and idols and of gold and of silver and brass and stone and of wood, and, and neither can see nor hear nor walk. And Neither they, neither repented they for their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Musicians, if you come, of, of all the things that have happened in the earth thus far, of all the horribleness and, and the wrath that is being poured out on the earth, uh, surviving the most horrendous and torturous time that this uh, world has ever seen, Still, still there are people that will not repent. 
People that will not repent, will not turn from sin, will not turn from evil, they will not turn to God and cry out for mercy and forgiveness. What more can God do? What You're looking for a sign. You missed a lot of it. Uh, if you're still alive, you missed a lot. And what more can God do? He desires everyone to be saved. But look how far humanity really is from God. All of this is being poured out upon the earth. And even still, the hardness of man's heart says, I'm not repenting. After experiencing hell on earth, people still do not want to worship God. Don't let that be said of you and me. Don't let that be said after all God has done for us. Uh, we should be praising Him all the days, no matter what. We shouldn't have to, it shouldn't take an event in our life to praise God. We should be praising God all the time. After all His praise and His, His grace and mercy, all His blessings that He's poured out, we've got a reason to praise Him and exalt Him. We don't need our, our favorite song to be played before we can start worshiping. God help us if that's our, uh, that holds us back. We've got plenty of reasons to lift up the name of Jesus. And these people are so hardened in their heart that they won't do it. Our hearts should not be hardened towards God. So if you go back to picture number three, as I said, just after... Uh, we just finished the sixth seal. Uh, just like after the sixth seal, there was a, a, a shift. The same thing happens here after the sixth trumpet that we just read. And before the seventh trumpet is loosed, uh, John is shown a vision or, or, or uh, about two witnesses in the earth during the time of tribulation. And Revelation chapter 10 describes uh, John's vision of, the, of an angel standing with one foot on the sea and one foot on the earth. And it describes him, he's holding a little book in his hand. And uh, I won't go into reading it, but uh, basically this little book that this angel is holding while he's standing on the earth. Uh, John is told to go and grab the book. Go grab that book and, and uh, ingest it and, and eat it. And we see and... Uh, Revelation 10 and 9, and I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and as it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as I stood, I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again. Before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. This, he's speaking to John. And so we're turning, eventually turning to the next chapter where it talks about the two witnesses. And, and we're not told who these two witnesses are in the times of tribulation. Dozens of opinions out there who they are. Uh, speculation on who they are. Many people say Moses and Elijah because they were there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, uh, great witnesses. Uh, uh, some say, you know, could be Enoch because he was taken out of here and he never died, uh, supposedly. And some say it could be John, John the Revelator, and who wrote Revelation, and uh, Moses and John, or Elijah and John. I mean, there's we don't know who they are. All we know, there's two. And uh, this verse here that we read in Revelation 10:11. Uh, gives me some reason why I think that John might be one of them. 
uh, because he's writing down the end times. And he here he is told, John, you need to prophesy to nations and kings. Well, when he's writing the book of Revelation 2,000 years ago, he's, on, he's isolated, banished to an isle of, the Isle of Patmos. And he's on an island by himself. How can he go and prophesy and preach to nations and kings while he's uh, abandoned on an island? Uh, and so uh, there's no way that he'd be able to do it 2,000 years ago after he awoke from this vision. Uh, but if God brings him to the earth in these last days, then he could be one of the witnesses that prophesies to the nations and uh, of all the kings of the earth and things because that's what they're going to be doing in these last the last days these two witnesses is they're there as witnesses for God and uh, we'll get into that as you stand with me tonight it's it's quite interesting and, and amazing these two uh, witnesses revelation 11 1 there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God the altar and them that worship therein. So here we know the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem, uh, and they're offering sacrifices like they're 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 waiting to do. The temple is rebuilt there, but the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the the holy city uh, shall they tread under foot forty and two months. What's the holy city? The holy city is Jerusalem. And so here, the Gentiles are going to have power over the city of Jerusalem for uh, three and a half years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, sack, clothed in sackcloth. So three and a half years, they're going to be prophesying. Half of the tribulation period, they're going to be there prophesying. Uh, they, these are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth up their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So these two witnesses, these guys are some tough dudes that God establishes there in, in Israel. These Gentiles try, any Gentile, anybody that tries to come and kill these two witnesses, fire comes out and just kills, toasts these people. That's some cool power to have. But you got to be around, you got to be in the middle of all of that. Uh, so uh, these have power to shut heaven, just like Elijah. That's why many people think it's Elijah to be one of them because what he did in his day and age is they're, they're doing a lot of the same things here. Uh, they have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood. Uh, that you know, that can reach out to Moses. Moses kind of did that too, and so you can see uh, how people have different ideas of who these two men are, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So here, ha during half the time of the tribulation period, there's two witnesses that are on fire for God. And they're just preaching and prophesying and, and speaking out to the world. And you know, the world hates, hates them. Because uh, if, they, if they don't repent for God, 
uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna like these two witnesses. As much as this world right now hates the church and hates believers, you gotta believe and understand that their hatred's gonna get even stronger against righteousness. Why? Because the Antichrist, it's his time, and he's all about uh, going against God and, and what he stands for. And so here, these two witnesses are invincible, and it just maddens the, the kings and the, the people in power because they can't kill these people. They try to kill them, and, and they're just they're burned up and killed. When they have finished their testimony, there's a time period that they're there, three and a half years. The beast that shall ascend out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. That's going to help out the Antichrist if he can wipe out these two, these two uh, witnesses. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. The great city, which is what? Jerusalem. Which, spiritually, it's not Jerusalem. Spiritually, is called Sodom and Egypt. Why? Because the Jews are still in unbelief. They're off, they're doing whatever they, they, they haven't accepted Jesus uh, for who he is. And so even though the beautiful city of Jerusalem, spiritually, they're not connected with God. Spiritually, their eyes are not been opened yet. Spiritually, the Bible calls Jerusalem the city of uh, like Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to put into graves. You, know, you want to shame a Jew? You don't bury their body. That'll, that's one of the worst things you can do to a Jew, not bury, the, bury them because they, they take that as a sacred thing. You, you, as soon as you can, you bury, bury their body and get it in the earth. And so uh, they're not going to, they leave their bodies in the streets. Why? Because it's a disgrace to them, to the Jews. Uh, and not to put their bodies in the graves. And they, shall, they that dwelt upon the earth shall rejoice over them and, and make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. What do they torment them with? The Word of God. You, need, you guys need to repent. You guys are evil and you're sinners. You need to repent of your ways. And uh, they wouldn't listen. So they had the power to do what, whatever kind of plagues that they wanted to do against uh, the sinners. Uh, but, and here they're dead and, and everyone is so happy. And it's like Christmas morning. They're sending each other presents because of these two prophets are killed. That's, that's a wicked time. A wicked time. But after... The three days and a half. The spirit of life from God entered them. And they stood up on their feet. And great fear fell upon all which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud. And their enemies beheld them, watched them go. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men, 7,000 men. And the remnant uh, of Israel were frightened and, and gave glory to the God of heaven. And here the second woe is past, but behold, behold the, the third woe cometh quickly. What an what a amazing time that happens, these, these two witnesses that are killed and God resurrects them right in their face and fear falls upon them because they, 
they know that something something's gonna ha- something bad's gonna happen. Even even in the midst, but even in the midst of this tribulation period, in the worst time for humanity in this earth, and in the middle of all this chaos and turmoil. There are witnesses. There are people of God standing there uh, for righteousness, declaring the way of the Lord to make His path straight. Uh, There's always a witness in this world. There's always a light that is shining for the lost sinner, for somebody who's tired, who's hurting, who is fed up, who can't take it anymore. There's always a preacher. There's always somebody declaring the word of God, a man of God that will tell you what you need to do, what you need to get rid of. And, And the world looks at preaching as foolishness, but that's how God says, I'm gonna save these people. I'm gonna save people through the foolishness of preaching and aren't you thankful for preaching aren't you thankful for the word of God for preachers that will declare the truth what the word of God says thus saith the Lord because that's all that we need in our life is the word of God we need to be saved we need more of the word of God than ever before and these days are wrapping up and so we need to be seeking him uh, like never before because I don't want to be here for what happens after this Amen. I want to be in heaven praising God and worshiping Him and lifting up the name of Jesus. Well, let's do that today as we close out and worship. Let's worship our King of kings and the Lord of lords. We How worship you, Jesus. You How great you are, Lord. We're your people. You we put our faith and our trust in you. We're standing upon your word. Your word that is forever settled in heaven. Lord, that you will not, we will not see the wrath of God. That you will take your bride, your church, your people. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory and honor. How great you are, Jesus. But we will. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus.
greatly to be praised. We lift you up, Jesus. Magnify you. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. The rising of the sun and the going down of the same. We're going to bless your name. We're going to magnify you. We're going to exalt you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The glory that is due to your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to stay silent. I'm not going to allow my praise to go quiet, but I'm going to lift up Jesus because he's done so much for me. He's done so much for you, and even though this world is not going to worship him or not bow down to him, I'm going to do it. Why? Because there's coming a day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So we might as well do it now, right? And enjoy the benefits and the blessings of living a righteous life for God. Amen. We've we've just finished through the seventh. We haven't gone to the seventh trumpet, but that's the transition point. But you can imagine, you wonder, like, man, how can it get any worse? Well, it, it does. It's already, it's, it's what's, what's left in this world? Well, there's still some left that God needs to take care of. And, um, and think about it. If the kingdom of heaven, in heaven, perfect righteousness, everything is absolutely perfect. If that is to come here to the earth. Earth has to get cleaned up first. And that's the tribulation period is, is a cleansing, is a deep clean of the earth when God has to say, i got to take care of this. If my kingdom's going to come here, things have to be cleaned out and taken care of. Amen. Soon and very soon that's coming. Amen. We want to be ready to meet him, right? Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Tomorrow night, 9 a.m., be here.